You're listening to the Joy Junkies Show podcast, episode 394. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 394. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. My amazing pod people, Amy here, and we are going to be furthering our series on dealing with anxiety. And this week, I am going to do my absolute best to dial up a friend and colleague of mine named Latoya Newton, and she has a really interesting story about her diagnosis with anxiety and a very specific manifestation of anxiety that she had, a symptom of anxiety called depersonalization. So I'm going to give her a ring here in a second, and be sure that you stay tuned for next week's episode where I'm going to be bringing you a tool, and that is going to be a little bit of a surprise for you all, but it will definitely be something that is helpful in curbing anxiety or working with that. So last week I shared with you my own personal story and some ways that you can start addressing chronic anxiety or even situational anxiety, which I talk about the difference uh, last week. But before I give LaToya a ring and speaking of tools, if you have not done so already, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. I have a completely free masterclass for you if you are struggling at all in the realm of the chronic need to people please or control things or you have constant self-doubt or you feel like you have to be perfect, or you have this overall essence, this feeling that no matter what you do, it's just not enough, or you are not enough. In that workshop, I break down all of the reasons why that is happening, and I share with you five very key shifts that you have to make in order to break free from all of that and to actually access that feeling of, I am worthy, I am enough. And then at the very end of the workshop, you'll see an opportunity to book a complimentary call with a member of my team, and you can discuss what's been going on with you and the things that you've been up against, and then they will share with you my signature program, Deep Down and Dirty, and look at if it is a potential fit for you. So obviously, the call is completely complimentary. Deep Down and Dirty is not, but I definitely want you to have that opportunity to share with somebody, here's what I've been dealing with, and then they can let you know if it's a good fit to continue working with me or what the options are with that, and you can take it from there. So again, the first place to start is by watching that workshop, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. I also mentioned last week that I do have another freebie available for you, and that can be found at thejoyjunkie.com slash anxiety, and it is a completely free 
anxiety meditation hypnosis track, and it helps you deal with any time that you have been worried about trying to control things or letting go of things that are outside of your your ability or your control. It can be incredibly relaxing, and we'll definitely throw that into the show notes as well, considering we've been digging into this concept of anxiety for a couple of weeks now. So be sure to grab all those freebies. They will be in the show notes. And I am going to give a call to LaToya Newton here in just a second. She is so much fun, and she's a Bronx girl. She likes to say that she's a healthy mix between Cardi B and Lena James. Uh, And she hosts her very own podcast called The Analog Girl, which I had the great fortune to be a part of a while back where she discusses her journey and her experience with anxiety recovery and her process of accessing emotional wellness, which I think we can all relate to. And we have tons of things in common, and we always have a blast every time that we're together. So let me give LaToya a ring and see if she can help us out a bit. Hello. LaToya, it's Amy. What's poppin', girl? How you doing? La, 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 LaToya. Ow. La, 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 <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> I was trying to be your hype girl. Yes, I love it. Every girl needs a hype girl. Every girl. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, do you have a, a handful of minutes? I'm, I am here with my audience and we've been talking about anxiety and I want to get your take on it. I know you're such a badass around this. Do you do you have a handful of minutes? You know I got some time for you, girl. What's oh up? good. Yes. What's yes. Good? What good fortune <laughs> that I caught you. This is so great. So so one of the things that I know you use all the time and you're so incredible about and lead people through in your work and also on your show, on your podcast, it's just a kind of a mini breathing exercise. And let me tell you, I have been anxious as fuck this today. So can you just calm my ass down a little bit <laughs> with a little breathing exercise? So your anxiety levels are a little bit high today. Is that what's going the, on? Okay. So usually what I like to do, I always say, how's everybody doing? How's anxiety levels? Yours are high. Mine's are kind of mid. We, you know, okay. So usually what we do is a quick breathing exercise. Um, you breathe in um, on the four count, hold on the four count, and then breathe out on the four count. And I always say it's like, you know, it's cliche. And a lot of times people be like, oh, breathe in and don't do nothing. But it really does calm you down in that present moment. So we can just do one real quick. In through the nose. Let's do it. Let's do it. So one time in through the nose. Hold it. And then breathe out through the mouth. And then you be feeling your shoulders sinking when you breathe out. It's kind of relaxing Mm you. You can do it one more time in through the nose. Hold it. And then breathe out through the mouth. Awesome. Yeah. 
I know. Thank you for that. I ain't gonna hold you. I'm telling you, it really does. It really does work. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it you does. Know? And the breath work is what helps you that even helps your dry diaphragm. Um, it helps your mental space. It helps your blood circulation. So it's not just one specific thing that breath work does help. Right. Getting that, that oxygen to the brain. Mm-hmm. So I had the great fortune to come hang out with you on your, your podcast. Mm -hmm. And when I was researching about you and your story, it was the first time that I had ever heard of the concept of depersonalization as it relates to anxiety. And from, from what I know from you, it's a symptom of anxiety. Can you just talk a little bit about your experience, what depersonalization is, all of that. Sure. I think what always happens is you get diagnosed with having anxiety. So a lot of us out here are struggling with it and we start researching and then we when we find out about anxiety, then we realize that depersonalization is one of the symptoms of the okay. of the anxiety. Back March 2018 is when it kind of hit the fan for me. I woke up one day and I just felt like I was in a dream. I felt like like I wasn't real. It was very, uh, I was scared to come out of my room. I was scared to walk out of my house. I was scared to look at the sky um, for fear of whatever. I don't know what the fear was, but everything was just rallying me up really bad. Um, and the only way I could explain it to people was like, I feel like I smoked weed. I got really, really high and yeah. I cannot come down. Like, so that's mm. how I was feeling every day, though, like became a chronic thing. And so chronic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> just a little weed, just a little weed humor. Right. So, it was, you know, it was chronic. <laughs> So, so yeah, so I was like day in, day out, like calling my mom, like, you know, I'm like, I think my iron level is low. Like, did you ever feel dreamy? Did you ever feel like you were like watching your life? Like you, it's almost like I was watching my life behind a glass pane or something. It was just very weird. And it was a very surreal experience. Like I was like, am I on earth? Like, did I die? Is this purgatory? Like, it was just very scary. I didn't feel connected to anything. So in essence, this depersonalization is you disassociating from reality or disassociating wow. men- like mentally from what's going on in your stratosphere, I guess. In my research, I was just like, wow, okay, so this is depersonalization. This is anxiety. Like you're not wow. in danger. Your brain is safe. You didn't break your brain. Cause I was like, my brain yeah. is broken, Lord. Like what <laughs> is going on? I was going to the emergency room. I was getting CAT yeah. scans. I was getting all kinds of testing done trying because I thought maybe I had a stroke and um, you know then because I was seeing people that were saying that you know brain injuries cause this so I'm like how the hell did I get a fucking brain injury like I didn't do right, anything right so I feel like I'd remember that and it was really just one day you woke up and it was different yeah yeah so wow. our our bodies are naturally built to go into depersonalization in fear of any kind of danger that's around us Right. right. So right. we were created like 
they say like how cavemen would be protecting or going out to find food or protecting their family or what have you. So say a bear comes out and then they got to fight the bear. The adrenaline pushes you into this high, high energy uh, space. And then your brain kind of flips off into this safe space. Like, okay, so now it's time to disassociate and you're kind of numb to a lot of things. So you're moving and you can move fast. You're not thinking about fear at that point. Right. Because it feel, you know, at the time you're like, what the hell is happening to me? Almost like something else is taking you over. And what's so curious to me is, you know, you're talking about our primitive fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses. And very realistically, when you're talking about the caveman days, you could be attacked by a mountain lion Mm -hmm. or a bear. And you have to have some sort of fear response that kicks in and gives you that resilience to run away, Mm -hmm. flee, fight, which would probably be stupid, uh, or try to freeze like nothing to see here or fawn which is a newer kind of fear response that we're learning about which is trying to befriend Mm. that that particular aggressor so what's so curious to me about this and I I didn't realize this until I started studying hypnotherapy Mm -hmm. and learned about the modern iterations of our fear response that anxiety anxiety is the modern iteration of the fight response. So if you're not able to fight with your boss, let's say, you know, and you're, you would normally want to tell, tell her off or tell him off or whatever, and you're not capable of doing that. You're not capable of the fight that can translate into anxiety in the body, but that can also be trauma that you've experienced as a child or even as an adult later on in life. But I'm getting this visual of this depersonalization. You know how in movies they'll do a scene where somebody's in the middle of the subway or a train station and it's just freezing on them. And then all the people are like zooming. Oh, yes. Pass them. Yep. That's exactly it. Because everybody's living in life. And they're moving and grooving and they're fine and they're normal and we're not. And we're right. like, what the fuck is going on, yo? And it's it's exactly that. And you're just watching people move. And then when you're trying to explain it to somebody, it's like when you're super high right. and the other person's not high or the people are high, but they just used to it. Right. And I'm, they're like, yo, I'm you're not bugging. where you, know you are. I mean, like, I have That's no what idea my what you're talking about. My husband would always say to me, if I was smoking and he wasn't, he'd be like, I'm not where you are at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nah, for real. So that's a perfect example of like how everything is just Mm. moving past and moving so fast. Like I lost my job. And so I would be in meetings and looking like I was daring headlights, like not know what the fuck I was going on. And I'm a project manager. So you have to be detail oriented and you have to just know every and any and everything about a project. Nothing was connecting to me. Like absolutely nothing. They ended up letting me go. And it was the best thing I needed to do because that's how Analog Girl came about. You know, there's people who will reach out to me and be like, yo, I never knew that there was a black woman that would go through. Because a lot of black women have reached out to me and black men have reached out to me and be like, yo, never knew that there. They find a lot of like stories of other people who go through it. And it could be because the way we are in our community is that 
we just don't be talking about this type of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like we go through so much trauma. We go through so much shit. And uh, one young woman has actually reached out to me and was like, yo, you're the first black woman I've ever seen to tell this story. And I've made it my business and do peer-to-peer support and have these kind of conversations with them so that there is some support for them. And, you know, what really, really got me through the depersonalization was the acceptance of it. And even just talking to it, and I was just be like, you know what? We can just chill, but you're not going to scare yeah, me no more. We don't got to be friends. So with There's be a couple of things I want to point out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if you've seen the latest book from, it's it's a story of essays by a wide array of Black folks that are then compiled by Tarana Burke and Brene Brown. It's called You Are Your Best Thing. Oh, no, I haven't even heard of that. And I love Brene. Oh my gosh, you've got to get your hands on it. It just came out. But one of the things that I thought was so It was eye-opening to me being clearly white was the the personal development concept of vulnerability. And you're Mm -hmm. totally alluding to this here with the, you know, nothing to see here. I'm okay. Uh, You know, no, I don't struggle with anxiety. Sort of that front that people feel like they need to put up and how the concept of vulnerability for Black folks is a matter of safety. Like, it, mm-hmm. and that never even occurred to me with, you know, my white privilege. You, you are such a testament and so incredibly important to, to that movement of mental health and speaking truth to uh, experiences of Black women and knowing that you can actually find power in acknowledging this part of yourself, but then also being very vigilant about who you choose to trust with your story. I think. No, absolutely. That's key. That's. <laughs> I learned that. I learned that at that job. I won. First off, I was like, I think at that time when I got hired, I was the only black girl at the time in the, in the, in the company. Um, because I was in such a vulnerable state, I was willing to tell any and everybody, sure. I'm that kind of girl. I'm not the kind of girl that's going to just sit and be going through some bugged out shit like that and not say nothing. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I was definitely trying to get that reassurance from these people at that job. And they took that and made fun of me and just, just did mean things, you know, just was just not kind. So I do agree that yes, our state of vulnerability is completely different it's a completely different experience well and that's that's a part of the resistance too that's a part of the the radical self-care and saying I cannot be bothered with managing my mental health and your racism at the same fucking time Mm -hmm. so microaggressions like fuck man I think it's an important thing I think it would be negligent for me to have you on the show pretending like our experiences with mental health are exactly the same and the you know the way that I describe it is there's a different level of pain so the anxiety that I experience in my life and the the ways in which I have dealt with mental health in my life have not also been layered with an additional pain of racial stigma and racism Mm-hmm. Right. Which is trauma. Right. Exactly. Constantly yeah. ongoing, mm-hmm. ongoing. So uh, I recently did a podcast with Dr. Joy, who started therapy for black girls. Mm-hmm. Love Incredible. Her. So the stuff that she's doing, the stuff that you're doing, uh, I think is it's a form of saying it's a form of, of resistance. And to say, like, no, 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 this matters. And we're going to talk about it. And 
And we're also going to get support for it. We're also going to get help for it. So I want to talk about this a little bit because I had a very interesting experience when I started learning about anxiety. I, I didn't realize that there, what it really was until I was, it was in my early twenties. It was probably like around, And then when I actually got treatment for it and took medication for it, my family, which is highly, highly religious, I know we have that in common, Mm -hmm. they were like, well, you should just pray about it. And those of you who- Worst thing you could ever say. Right. Because, but so, I mean, prayer does work in my case. But that is the worst thing that you can tell somebody. Well, it's dismissive. It's a it's a form yes. of spiritual bypassing, right? It's yes. It's, it's uh just just pray pray about it, and and it makes you feel like maybe I'm like because what if you are a prayer and then someone says that and it's like but I am praying, so then that makes you feel like you're a failure. You're not doing it right. <laughs> you don't think you're not doing it right, right? Yeah, and it's so crazy. And we differ in our our spiritual journey. You know, I identify as an agnostic atheist, and so I have a different perspective around that but my family was oh just pray about it and then my brother who's one of my very best friends said like oh what you're just going to be dependent on medication for the rest of your life like it was this real like kind of shame thing so there I want to talk about this we have you have a quote on your website that says one might say mental illness is a form of weakness well if it is a weakness is only a strength that hasn't been developed yet So I'm curious about your experience with that. Did you receive a lot of kickback around what you were like, what, what was your friends and family? What was the support like or not? Like my mom was, my mom is my hardcore supporter. Nice. So, and she also experienced something like this before we come from a long line of silent warriors in my family. So my grandmother was like that. My great grandmother was like that. So my mom, you know, knew what I was, I was explaining to her some things. And she was like, I know, I understand that she was also very prayerful and we were reading scriptures. And there was just a lot of things that got me through as far as um, using scriptures and prayer where she was mentoring me through this kind of stuff. So my mom was cool with it. It was like, when I was talking to certain friends, they would become dismissive of it because one, I think I was scaring people. Mm. <laughs> I think certain people I was scaring because they were, I wasn't myself. And I was asking these weird questions. I was looking completely off. Right. Um, so I think my friends were very dismissive. And then I had church friends who would be like, you need to just pray, girl, keep praying, keep doing what you, because God, this is the work. This is the trick of the enemy. Don't let the devil win. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a spiritual awakening, uh, blah, 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 blah. And so this ain't no fucking spiritual awakening. <laughs> like It's anxiety. <laughs> it's a part of your lizard like, brain. I'm not even paying these people no mind with the whole praying for me and stuff. I did feel like I needed to get back in the church. Sure. And um, I needed to have, I, I, cause I didn't want to lose my connection to God. Right. And I felt like I was losing that too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that did push me to get back in church and get a little more active. And I believe that that helped, but listening to other people say that to me, no, I wasn't, I wasn't having I'm it. glad to hear that your mom identified that she had gone through similar stuff and, and your grandmother mm-hmm. before her. It's, it's so curious to me because I see a, a bevy of anxiety responses from my own mom 
but she doesn't see it in herself. She doesn't recognize it in herself. And so she's even said, I know the three of you, myself and my two siblings have struggled with anxiety and depression. And, and it's just so weird because your father and I never went through anything like that. And I'm like, uh-huh, mom. okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. I mean, my, my, my father and I are, are estranged. We have a very weird situation, a very weird relationship. The bulk of my anxiety definitely comes from him. He definitely has anxiety and depression issues and he has instilled a lot of fear sure. in us. My mother, my sister, my brother, my son. He just transferred a lot of his fears onto us, but he's never acknowledged that he has anxiety. We've never had a conversation. Like, do you know that this has been, a, this is a form of anxiety and the trauma that right. he's instilled in, uh, in Which us. Which is, so. I mean, that's generational trauma. Yep. Right. Like yep. building and building and building. And so, you know, I would, I would offer that to those of you out there who have struggled with your family of origin and, that, you know, if you had an upbringing where you were in your fight response all the time or in mm-hmm. your flight response, that modern iteration is uh, depression. So, mm-hmm. but if you were in that fear place where you had to take care of yourself, it, of course you have anxiety or of course you yep. have depression or of course you're a people pleaser, of course, you know, yes. like we overthinker. Right. And we did, you know what I mean? and so we developed that to take care of ourselves. We're not trying to be anxious as fuck. You know, we're not, mm-hmm. it's really genuinely designed because we think that we're in imminent danger and all the time. And so we're undoing that we're undoing the trauma of our childhood and also of our lineage in many situations. And again, uh, disproportionate depending on various intersections of identities, Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm curious what, what specific treatments, I know you've talked openly about various therapists that you've seen, what have been the modalities or the treatments that have been the most effective for you? So therapy really worked, but it was a gradual thing. Yeah. I did, did a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy and just recently figuring out that, that I do have obsessive compulsive disorder with overthinking. And I did do a couple of sessions with a therapist and realized that this sounds bad, but after a couple of sessions, I was like, Oh, I could do this shit on my own. Like, I don't really need to, (laughs) I don't really need to pay this because some people can't do it on their own. So I'm not saying for people to do this, but if you feel like you're disciplined enough, which I do where I know how to take tools and use them for myself and get myself out of these scenarios, these situations. She showed me how to do exposure therapy Mm. Um, and exposure therapy is which really, what really helps people who struggle with OCD. One thing I talked about, and this is wild is because of my religious upbringing, masturbation was um, something that I felt like I could never do because I was going to like go to hell or that this is wrong. Same something bad is going to happen to me if I do that. Right. Or I, you know, if I masturbate today, then the job I'm trying to go for tomorrow, I'm not going to get it. It was that kind of craziness. Right. right? So she was saying like, okay, so let's try some exposure therapy. She was like, you're going to go home tonight and you're going to masturbate and you're going to have a good time. And you're going to see that tomorrow is going to come and nothing's going to come. (laughs) Girl, you set me up so easily. <laughs> I love it. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Good for I her. was like, yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna, I am gonna have myself a good time. So, you know, when I when I did that, I did it just before my surgery I was having on March 10th. Uh, I was struggling that whole month. It was torture, the existential thoughts that I was having. So I decided, like, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna have to expose myself to this so that I can realize that this is not a bad thing. You will not die if you masturbate. You will not like this is not something that is just gonna cause you to go straight to hell. Yep. Um, it's not something that gives you, you know, in any kind of bad luck. Yeah. And so once I did that, and of course had a great time, <laughs> um, and then went into <laughs> my surgery, came out of the surgery, was fine. It really did open me up to wanting to uh, attack more of those scenarios and those stories that I've been telling myself about what, um, you know, what I was obsessing over and doing, doing the tools, like the breath work and stuff like that always works for me because it's times when I do wake up at night and I'm having um, panic attacks, but I know what to do now. And I'm like, tools okay let me get up and walk let me get some water let me suck on a lemon let me ground myself like what's going to ground me right now you know let me shake my arms out and bend over and just walk back and forth and get myself together and just keep doing the deep breathing until my heart calms down right so those are just those are just really the things that I've done and what has got me through that's awesome that's awesome I I had the same actually the same trauma from growing up where my my mom very deliberately verbatim told me that it was a sin to masturbate and Mm -hmm. has, you know, so still unpacking a lot of, a lot of religious trauma. And there might be those of you out there who, for, for me in my situation, that ended up fueling a lot of the anxiety that I have. And there was so much in you aren't good enough. And that was so anxiety inducing. Mm -hmm. And and let me tell you, on this side, not believing in a heaven and hell, and <laughs> that's that's a lot of freedom for me, right? Yeah, so, but yeah. but I think you know we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded that it's about finding your personal freedom. It's about finding mm-hmm. the things that work for you. And I remember distinctly going to my doctor, and I had talked to her and told her that. I had tried art therapy. I had tried exercise. I had tried a bunch of different breathing techniques. And she said, you know, you've tried a lot of the holistic route. Why not consider medication and just try it? And it radically changed my life. And I've actually been talking now to my brother here almost 20 years later going through some similar stuff with with his own mental health. And the same sort of conversations are coming up around if you were born with a bad kidney and had to be on dialysis all the time, or if you incurred an accident where you now needed a prosthetic prosthetic leg, would you say, oh, oh, what? I'm not going to be dependent on a prosthetic for the the rest of my life, or I'm not going to depend on a hearing aid, or you'd be like, fuck no, I'm going to use the medical advancements of our time, and I'm going to get my treatment and access my healing, whatever that might look like. And for me, it's been, and it sounds like for you as well, it's been sort of a conglomeration of a lot of things. It's been sometimes therapy. It's been a lot of different personal development tactics, hypnosis, medication. Uh, But then even stuff that I didn't know until I went through my hypnosis training just a couple of years ago, that protein 
deficiency. Like if you don't have enough protein, that that can start to mimic uh, anxiousness in the body, the physical feeling of anxiety or, yes. or caffeine. No. Oh yeah. I stay away from that. Right? Uh-uh. Anytime, just a hint of tea, like black tea. Yep. I can have just a hint of that. And I'm like, yo, I'm not feeling right. Like it just does not sit well with me at all. Yeah. And, or, and I can never do coffee. I did for years, Latoya, for years. And you never, and you just thought it was something else? Well, I, I do think I still had anxiety because I can remember anxious thoughts and even obsessive thoughts. Like you're talking about, like, uh, my doctor had told me you have like thought OCD, basically, like it's, mm-hmm. uh, not manifesting physically in routines that you might do, but it's manifesting in the routine of thought. And, and she said that could eventually get significantly worse if we don't look at trying to treat this. And again, this is about 20 years ago, but I could point to anxiety at like seven or eight. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily, oh, I'm going through an anxious time in my life. Cause I do think that happens for folks where Mm -hmm. it's situational anxiety versus something that's like a chronic way of being. Right. And, and so I had, so there was plenty of time in my life where I had anxiety and some bouts of depression and didn't, didn't know what it was called and was clearly not drinking coffee yet, you know, but, right. but it, it really bothered me that. And it makes it worse. It, it, it exacerbates this. It's horrible, but it made me so frustrated that I had to hear that from holistic folks, not from, like, why didn't my regular medical doctor tell me, knock it off with the fucking caffeine? Yeah. <laughs> like, here's something that could help you. And it wasn't until I saw a naturopath. But were you talking to the doctor about anxiety yes, and depression yes. specifically? That's what I was there oh, for. Yeah. And so, so I think that there's a happy medium and there's, uh, you know, to your point, like as far as searching out a therapist or should I work with EMDR therapy? Should I work with cognitive behavioral therapy? Should I do hypnosis? Should I do, you know, whatever the modality is, I really feel strongly that it all works. It just depends on how safe you feel with that practitioner. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you do have to get yourself, like you have to get a formula, like you have to get a formula for what works for you. So because I have my surgery, um, I had a full hysterectomy. So I went right into uh, menopause. Oh, wow. So my GYN prescribed Paxil for the hot oh, flashes. Wow. And so I was like, you know what? Let me try that. <laughs> because if any, <laughs> I was like, if this is going to even help with the, the anxiousness that I feel from time to time still, sign yep. me up, sis. I can't tell if there's a difference or not. I do know that I, I, I'm not obsessing as much in my thought process anymore. So I, I guess I just stumbled upon the Paxil. But I think that having a formula, though, really works. Like, so I'm doing the Paxil for the hot flashes, but I also still... I, f- I found a sleep mask that has yep. speakers in it. So I listen to these meditations when I fall asleep to keep, 
I keep plugging into my subconscious to change these thoughts. That's really the foundation of where everything happens is in the subconscious space. So I'm really very, very um, intentional about changing what is happening in my sub my subconscious mind. So I, I that's part of the formula. And then the, the breath work is part of the formula, not drinking so much alcohol yeah. anymore. That's part of the formula, you know? So when you get to figure out, get to that point where you figure out what your formula is, that's when you stick to that. And I feel like then you'll be in that place of finding your own personal right. freedom. I'm not going to hang out with this person anymore. I'm not going to allow this motherfucker to right. gaslight me no more. So it's not necessarily just the physical things that you could do for yourself or the medication or the therapy. It's who's around you that's gaslighting yes. you. Yes. Because <laughs> that's a big yes. one. That's a big one. And that will that will really fuck your whole psyche up and have you thinking that it's all you and you'd be back to square one. I really firmly believe in figuring out what that what that formula is. And that's what I try to do on Analog Girl is like present all these different tools that I've tried. And you take one from here and you take one from there. EFT yep. tapping is yep. one too. That works really well. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to be doing a, an episode on that as well. I was certified in EFT a while back and I, I really need to utilize it more. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely mm-hmm. discuss that coming up here on the show, but I, I want you to tell people where they can find you, tell them a little bit more about Analog Girl, the podcast, and I think you have a freebie on your site or... Yeah, so my website is theanaloggirl.com. You can find me on Instagram at the period analog girl on on Instagram. You can DM me. I will respond to every single DM. I I don't ignore anybody or you can email me at info at analoggirlpodcast.com. I do do peer-to-peer support for people who struggle with depersonalization and you can shoot me an email there and I can shoot you my schedule and we can set up a time to talk what else oh analog girl podcast is just a peer-to-peer support group for folks who struggle with anxiety i'm not a therapist it's just someone who has some life experience that just wants to talk about it very rural rough around the edges i don't know everything i can't say things as eloquently and beautiful as amy does but (laughs) but i do um you know i do get to the point and i think what has really grown my community of listeners is that this is a peer-to-peer support conversation and it's just like a person who has gone through something that can relate to exactly what you're relating to I love that I love that Mm -hmm. I think it's so important I've met people who do medication I've met people who smoke weed I've met people who uh, do acupuncture or you know and it's like what or a medley of a bunch of different things I have the same fucking headphones that I listen to at night I listen to my (laughs) hypnosis every night and so Mm -hmm. I think it's about what I love what you said about figuring out your formula and no matter who you are out there, you deserve your healing. You deserve to get control over this. There's nothing wrong with you. It's a part of your physiological makeup that we all have and it's work withable. You can figure out your solutions for sure. Anyway, Latoya, it's been a blast. Thank you for hanging out. This has been so good. I really enjoy myself. I can't wait to, I'm, I can't wait to hear this conversation. It's oh, so I just adore you. Thank you for hanging out. And I'm so glad I caught you. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. I'll let you get back to the rest of your day. And I'll just say talk to you later, my friend. Talk to you later. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with LaToya as much as I did. She's such a blast and just 
a beautiful gift to this world. So I do hope you check out her podcast if you struggle with anxiety and would like some more tips and tools. We'll definitely throw that information into the show notes. And all the freebies that I mentioned at the top of the show can be found in the show notes as well. So be sure to join us next week when we'll have a very special tool episode to help you navigate around this crazy world of anxiety. And please know that you are absolutely not alone. And as I mentioned in the chat with LaToya, you are deserving of finding your peace and your happiness. And it is possible. Please know that it is absolutely possible. Yes, for you, my friend. All right. So we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. 